Have you been doing that too? Taking refuge in the Sangha, in this loving kindness practice of giving and receiving love to each other. What is it like to suddenly remember, oh, somebody's sending me love right now? Wow. How many times can you be in a group of people and be somewhat certain that that might be happening when you remember it? Maybe it's always happening on some level. Someone said during one of the group interviews, maybe there's a frequency of kindness that all human beings have, and you can actually just tune in and and feel that, covered up perhaps often by our our projections and um, other people's just parts, confusions, strategies to stay safe, that we react to their reactivity and miss the, the kindness, the innocence, the, the true nature, the awakened nature of all beings that's, that's underneath that. Like I said that one of the first talks, what if loving kindness is actually just the absence of our afflictions? It's not so much something that you need to generate. It's what's there when you let go of the fears or be the space that holds, disidentify with those patterns, those patterns that arise that often we're quick to identify with. So perhaps it's just a a releasing unbinding the poem unburden unburden is this what the heart most longs to do release grief to rain anger to flame worry to wind depression down down into the ground. Release fear to the altar of space and bow. All things return to their nature, unburden, soma to soil, body to mountain, heart to sky. Let the fields flow to the ocean. Release life to life. Release life to life. And let love have its way with you. And let love have its way with you. What if that is the sole purpose of your life? to let compassion have its way with you, to feel the love of this moment in breath, in body, in the sound of the rain, in the feels moving through. Have you noticed though, how the mind's labels and reactivity distort the direct experience of things as they are. And actually, perhaps the labels and reactions aren't a problem. When we are awake to the process of the mind, minding. Oh, that's just what the mind does. It minds. It makes labels and reactions. It appears to distort reality, but I don't need to believe that distortion. I don't need to identify with that pattern. So two aspects of loving-kindness practice that we have been focusing on these last few days of Sashin are embodiment and spaciousness. 
So embodiment helps rebalance the tendency to keep spiritual practice on the cognitive level. It's allowing more of ourselves to participate. It's opening us up to truths beyond the comprehension of the thinking mind. It's, It's interesting, the mind just is activated to want to figure things out. And so it's a lot of work. I I mean, I find this every session. It's a continuous work, perhaps a labor of love to really inhabit the body fully. Like Hogan used to say during session, feel the body with the body. And it took me years to really understand what he meant, and maybe I still don't. But it's such a direct instruction, such a lifelong practice. And the body is is doing it. (laughs) It's doing it for us right now. The hands can't help but feel the hands. The legs can't help but feel the legs. The eyes can't help but see. The ears can't help but hear. We actually don't have to do anything. We just have to let the body do what the body does. Senses, feels, experiences. Chosen Roshi um, often says, this is one of the quotes I quote probably the most, the mind has two functions thinking and awareness. And when we're fused with thinking, that's just basically what's happening is our awareness is just aware of thinking. And what we're doing in Sashin, it was we're just opening awareness to function through all of the senses, which, which it's always doing, but we have often like thinking is getting 90%, 99% of our attention. And then the other senses are kind of happening, but very little uh, attention is there. So what we're doing is we're opening that aperture of awareness so that it's equal through all of the senses, including the body, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling. And then thinking is one of the senses, but not not the only one. So we practice embodied awareness in session. We allow awareness to unblend, unblend from thought, and begin to realize that the body is self-aware. And you know, the, the chance they say th- very simple things, like, oh, I see ears, hear, nose, smells, tongue, taste, the salt and sour. Each happens independently of the other. It's like, yeah, we actually like wake up to that is happening. <laughs> That's happening. And we don't have to do anything. The body breathes itself. The eyes see, the ears hear. As we release into the spaciousness of awareness, that functioning freely can feel like a miracle. Wow, my life is just appearing. I'm just happening. Even even the thoughts that were so um, distracting and annoying and frustrating during the beginning of session, they're just happening. Just appearing as part of this self being created and destroyed moment to moment. Wow, what a miracle! Awareness functions freely through the senses. We don't need to make anything happen, and that's um, it's an important encouragement during this phase of session 
it's this balance that we are practicing together now of like feeling more, but perhaps getting a little bit more space from the uh, the suffering making of the mind. And so feeling more spacious in body and mind and heart at times. Right? It's not like a fixed state. We're very organic beings. But there can be a tendency to kind of coast in that or just want to like hang out there and let the mind kind of wander and daydream and it feels pretty good. Or to to start thinking about all the ideas that have been introduced during session or in the chance and trying to figure them out again in the in the mind field and in, in, in the thinking mind trying to make something happen some insight happen some takeaway for session and so the invitation the practice is can we stay in awareness, functioning freely through the senses, and stay engaged there. And that's often, you know, sometimes at this point in Sashin, people um, recognize a, a core question, a, um, a we, we say koan, a life question arises. Maybe, maybe as a, an actual question with words, but maybe more felt as a, as a spiritual longing, a desire to go deeper, to know one's true nature, to know the source of love. You know, I'm trying to articulate in words what might just be felt. And that helps us stay in the, the fire of session. So two qualities of awareness I shared yesterday. Awareness is spacious and awareness is aware. Gnosis. And what, what that means is we can entrust the body to feel, the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the heart to love. And it doesn't Awareness doesn't need to be mediated through the thinking mind. So you might catch, and this is another thing that tends to happen when the mind is a little more spacious, you might catch the mind narrating meditation. And that's another thing that you can start to let go of, to disidentify with, and just trust, just trust the silence just trust that you don't need to track what's happening. That you are being taken care of. And I, I used to notice my mind would do this like, okay, yep, I'm being taken care of. Now let's think about <laughs> what are the repercussions of that? What is going to be my poem at the end of session? I really trust that. And it's, it might mean reigning in the mind, resting in awareness. And then, of course, some, something might come up. And then it's coming back, reigning in the mind. Resting in awareness. And that's where a support, but a simple support, can help keep us anchored in the present moment, like feeling the body breathing or listening to the sound of the rain or dropping in a loving kindness phrase. But also at this stage of session, you don't need to do a complicated practice. It's just how can you stay with this experience of being human? moment to moment, meeting it with kindness. Well, this morning I guided a practice 
called The Three Skies. And I'll just, again, go over it um, now that we're not in meditation, but you might feel into it as I, as I talk about the different skies. So the three skies are the spaciousness of body, the spaciousness of mind, and then outer space. And it's basically connecting to these aspects of spaciousness um, and recognizing that they're not separate. And it's a very integrative, embodied way of opening to spaciousness. And so first is becoming aware of the spaciousness within the body. And you can do that in a very systematic way, like moving through the different parts of the body, connecting to the felt sense of that part of the body, and combined with loving-kindness practice, practicing loving-kindness for that area, and then noticing these different layers of body, which I call the, um, you know, which are called the three bodies of Buddha. So there's um, sometimes the mental body is part of that, recognizing, oh, the mind judges and uh, talks about the different parts, or you have a mental image of the body, and then dropping below that and feeling the felt sense of the body, and below that, the tingling liveliness, or what uh, Bancha was calling the sparkling liveliness of the body. Sometimes I experience that as like a flickering in and out of sensation. And when there's discomfort or pain in uh, your embodied experience, it can be interesting to see if you can make contact with these three parts of the body. So zooming in to that area and noticing, what oh, is there a tingling liveliness? And then connecting to the space, the space around sensations. So you can do that systematically, or you can just do that with the entire body. Doing it systematically can really help sink awareness into embodied experience um, in a very deep way as, as you're opening to spaciousness in each part of the body. Another way of doing it that I um, brought forward at the beginning of Sashin is the lighting a candle and placing it um, at the base of the spine or in the abdomen, the hollow doll, and just letting that light illuminate the space within the bodies. And that illumination is awareness inhabiting the entire body through the senses. And then we have the space of mind. So you can approach that again by reining in the thinking mind and just noticing all the space, the silence, sometimes experienced as silence within the mind. The space between thoughts. So turning awareness to look at thought or to sit at the source of thought. And just notice the space around where do thoughts appear. And just, like, it's amazing because we often are so caught or entranced by our thoughts. But if you start to look at the space that's also in the mind, it's so much bigger than our thoughts. And so noticing that, opening to that, and then opening to the outer space. And you can also do that systematically noticing the space around the body, behind, surrounding, in front, and then opening to the space of the room, the space in the sky, and letting those three skies merge. So it's one seamless awareness space. And resting there, allowing the sensations of body, breath, sounds, to appear and disappear in that space. So some people have noticed that as their awareness of spaciousness increases, um, they're able to be with more challenging physical sensations. They notice that parts of themselves or thought patterns um, that they weren't previously aware of start to emerge. Perhaps thought patterns that have been buried 
or have been covered by the busyness of the mind. And sometimes those are difficult to see. I've been in many sashin where someone comes into sanzen or I've had this experience of like, my life is just full of shame. That's all I think about. That's all I do. That's the whole reason my life exists. And it's like you pulled off this layer of, of thought and you just see how much shame is, is running your life. At, at, that, at that moment, it just becomes really clear or anxiety or fear or judgment. And so that can be difficult to see, but a really important experience to have. And that seeing is beginning to get space from it and freedom from it, be, being actually able to work with it. Whereas when it was still hidden and your other strategies were trying to protect you from experiencing shame, um, you weren't even aware that that was what was operating those mechanisms. Also, people haven't noticed as their awareness of spaciousness increases that difficult people or challenging situations in their lives and in the world are just emerging ready for loving kindness, which is really beautiful. Um, it just shows me that the practice is doing itself. It's calling forward uh, those, those concerns that we're holding in our heart, even if we didn't know, and, and giving us an opportunity to practice loving kindness with them or compassion. Others have noticed that they're able to receive loving-kindness from others, from the natural world, and even from what we consider the inanimate world. So maybe you've noticed that of communion with your teacup or the caterpillar or a slug or the concrete. People fall in love with things during the session, like walls and urinals. Others have seen that there's so much beauty in the world, things that they may have previously saw as chaotic or confused or brought anger or judgment, now can see that they're beautiful as they are. And perhaps that can be turned around to you. You're beautiful as you are. Others are able to see the love and innocence or true nature in others and themselves. To see people more clearly without our labels. And others feel more at home in the mystery which I also think is an indication of being in touch with true nature, a sense of being at home in the unknown, being more comfortable with not having to know. So spaciousness is a, a synonym of emptiness or equanimity, one of the four divine abodes. And this aspect of loving-kindness helps, helps loving-kindness practice and compassion practice stay balanced. So it allows loving-kindness, compassion, and joy to arise spontaneously in response when we're able to be in awareness, in, in the spacious nature of mind. In, in Buddhism, equanimity, loving-kindness, compassion and appreciative joy or empathetic joy are considered the four immeasurables or boundless qualities of the heart or divine abodes. Those are all ways that they're talked about in the Buddhist tradition. Immeasurables, these immeasurable qualities of the heart or abodes. And both of those are interesting to contemplate. We can make equanimity or spaciousness, loving kindness, compassion, and joy our home. We can let our heart rest in those qualities. And they're boundless, meaning we're not going to get to the end of them in this lifetime. 
which perhaps is a wonderful relief and reason to keep practicing. So metta, loving kindness, is a basic friendliness toward existence, or as Rumi says, a tenderness towards existence. Compassion is when the heart opens to suffering, our own or the suffering of another or the suffering in the world. So it's just that natural, that opening, that that wanting to respond, that being moved to respond in some way. And then appreciative joy is the opening of the heart to the good fortune of another. So it's the ability to celebrate in someone else's gifts, to have gladness with them, to celebrate in the joys of nature, the joys in the world. So these are all little nuances of ways um, and times and that we can practice loving kindness. So often with appreciative joy, people who um, struggle with jealousy can practice turning their hearts to enjoying others' good fortunes and wishing them well. A number of people mentioned that a way that they've found to practice loving kindness is to imagine people smiling. So that's like connecting to that gladness aspect. You're not even needing to use the phrases, just imagining each person smiling. I think that's another way of connecting to just their innocence, um, their their nature. Perhaps all of our nature is uh, to be simply happy, to see people beyond our labels and fears and insecurities and just see their, well, their Buddha nature or their joy, that, that simple joy of existing. Also, as we open to spaciousness, as the busy mind settles, uh, we may encounter some of our core fixed beliefs and core vulnerabilities. I wanted to talk a little bit about that uh, now. We've talked about parts um, a little bit during this session, and it's part of the great vowel language. We talk about the inner critic a lot. Uh, in IFS parts language, they divide parts into three categories, managers, exiles, and firefighters. So the exiles are our most vulnerable parts. And the managers are tasks with keeping our inner community safe by managing that the exiles stay hidden and, and safe and protected and, and out of danger. And the managers often develop these strategies when we're quite young. So there's like a a hurt that happens as a child and that part that's hurt goes into exile and the manager, which is also a child, takes over and develops some strategies that it might have learned from caregivers or from society. It was just one way of looking at it. Um, So these manager parts include the inner critic, the planner, the organizer, the pusher, the perfectionist. And then firefighters step in to protect the exiles, but their means are extreme. It's like when the managers are not able to do their job, then the firefighters come in and they often um, can be violent or um, have addiction issues or craving. So in Sashin, we're really like starting to put the managers aside. And the manager comes in, the manager might have signed you up for session and it's like, we're gonna get this out of it and it's gonna be great and da, 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 and this is how we're gonna do it and like plan when you're gonna take the shower and when you're gonna eat your snacks and like all of that, how cozy your seat can be, you know, all of that stuff. But as we get more settled into session that those parts can, can relax, like, okay, things are safe here. I don't need to be so on guard. Um, But then some of our more vulnerable parts might start to be felt. And that's good. That's important. That's part of 
this getting to know ourselves, befriending ourselves aspect of Sashin, undoing this, this karma. Um, but that can bring up fear and, and insecurity, or perhaps, especially during a loving kindness session, you might start having memories or child parts of you start to arise, wanting, ready for um, your kindness and compassion. So I wanted to offer uh, a practice to work with um, sending and receiving love to ourselves and especially to the more vulnerable parts of ourself. Um, working with an ideal caregiver. This is a guided meditation that um, Dan Brown created and he did a lot of uh, research on the attachment relationship. And it's a way of connecting with our inner caretaker and, and offering love to our inner children in a way that they can receive it. So you get to practice both giving and receiving love to, um, to your inner ch children. So if you would like, um, you could do this meditation lying down to really relax into it or to sit up, whatever feels comfortable for you. So you can take a moment to adjust your posture. It's, you can get blankets if you want or get a chair or whatever you need. You can place your hands on your heart center, on your abdomen, if you'd like. With this exercise, I'm going to say visualize or call to mind, but do whatever, however you experience it. So it might not be that you have this whole vignette playing out in your mind's eye. It might be more of a felt sense of just that giving and exchanging different aspects of loving kindness. And that's what's most important, however you connect with that. So it might be visual. It might be more of an embodied feeling. Maybe, maybe actually it, it also involves sounds. So beginning by allowing your awareness to rest in your body, relaxing the head and face, neck and throat, Letting the shoulders and arms relax, the hands and each finger. Allowing the back of the body to relax and the front of the body to relax. The seat, legs and feet and each toe. Relax. And opening to the space in the room, the space in your mind, the space within your body, the space of your heart. Perhaps connecting to an inner child part, or visualizing yourself as a child. And visualizing your caretakers as 
being able to provide you with the safety and protection that you needed as a child. in the most ideal way, the way that you needed it. So really seeing you and creating an environment throughout your childhood where you felt safe and protected. Imagining what that environment would be like Feeling the experience of knowing every moment of your childhood that you are safe. That these caretakers will protect you. And just the ways that you need to know that you're safe. What would that be? Imagining that, feeling that as a child, just knowing knowing and feeling a sense of safety. And dissolving that visualization, noticing perhaps the effect that that had on your mind. calling to mind again, connecting with your inner child and imagining caretakers who are carefully attuned to you. So connecting with desires that you might have had as a child. And these caretakers are interested in what you're thinking. And they express their interest in a way that makes you interested in sharing. You feel their commitment to you. You feel that they are deeply interested in every aspect of you. What you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what you're doing. You can imagine this experience throughout your childhood, through the different stages of development. They're right there with you, interested in what you're thinking, how you're doing, how you're feeling. So much so that you feel completely seen and heard by them every moment of your childhood. You feel completely seen and heard by them. Allow yourself to feel completely seen and heard. Allow yourself to completely see and hear yourself. And then dissolving that visualization, noticing the effect it has on your mind and body. Calling to mind a time when you were emotionally upset as a child. And allowing these caretakers to respond to your upset in just the right ways. Meeting you exactly where you're at. Knowing just the right things to do to comfort you. To help you reestablish a sense of comfort. Just imagine receiving a kind of warmth. 
Notice the ways that you would like to be seen and heard and taken care of when you're upset. And offer that to yourself. Responding to you in all the ways that help you feel comforted. That lets you know that you're going to be okay. And then dissolving that visualization Noticing the effect on your mind and heart and body. Connecting again to the body and to space. Connecting again to your inner child. Now bringing forward these caregivers who are just absolutely expressive about their joy, about everything you do. So imagining the things that you did as a child and these caregivers expressing every step of the way their joy, their happiness in your accomplishments But more importantly, they express their joy in you, in your being, in simply who you are. And they're sure to give you this joy every step of the way throughout your childhood. They delight in your very being. Let yourself experience this delight. Let yourself give yourself this delight and joy in your existence through every step of your childhood, showering you with delight, expressing their joy in your existence. And then dissolving that visualization. Noticing the effect on your mind and heart and body. And reconnecting with the inner child. And these caregivers now who are giving you absolute support as you are discovering something new that you want to do. And they're very interested in the things that you want to do, the things that you want to learn, the things that you want to discover, and they're supporting you throughout your childhood. Throughout your development. Giving you the support in the way that you need it. In the way that you can receive it. Supporting your curiosities, your questions.
And imagine receiving this support. And then dissolving this visualization and noticing the effect on the mind, the heart, the body. And lastly, there is something that you needed as a child that you never quite got. This is a familiar feeling for you. Something that you needed but you never quite got. You know what this feeling is. Bring that feeling to mind. Let yourself feel it right now. And these ideal caregivers, allow them to see you feeling this feeling and respond to you in exactly the right way, giving you exactly what you need. And you know what that is. Allow yourself to receive. Dissolving that visualization, noticing the effect on body, heart, and mind. Feeling the body moving as it breathes. Aware of the space within your body. Feeling the support of whatever you're sitting on or lying on. Hearing the rain. And taking a moment to practice loving kindness for yourself. And for all the people in the room and their children. And taking a couple deep breaths. And if you're lying down, you can slowly start to move your body. Perhaps roll over into fetal position. And take some time being gentle with yourself coming up to a seated position. So you can continue getting to know your inner child or inner children and offering them these qualities of loving kindness 
security, protection, positive regard, enjoyment in their very being, responsiveness, and meeting them, offering them that quality that they needed but never quite got. Developing a relationship with them that's rooted in compassion and curiosity and kindness. Perhaps including your inner child or inner children in your loving kindness practice for the rest of session. Or finding ways to get to know them, taking them on walking meditation or uh, to meals. And just notice what it's like to begin to develop a relationship if this is new for you. I'll read that poem again. Unburden. Is this what the heart most longs to do? Release grief to rain, anger to flame, worry to wind. Depression down, down into the ground. Release fear to the altar of space and bow. All things return to their nature. Unburden, soma to soil, body to mountain, heart to sky. Let the fields flow to the ocean. Release life to life. Release life to life. And let love have its way with you. <laughs>